Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Star Family Wisdom Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so glad you're here. My name is Jenna Layden. I'm the founder of Star Family Wisdom and former Global Vice President for Whole Foods Market. And I'm Sinead Willihan. I'm a former, former special needs educator and co-host of the Star Family Wisdom Podcast. Star Family Wisdom is a paradigm-shifting podcast, a community, and an online school for your spiritual and cosmic evolution, and we definitely want to share everything we can with you. We want you to share it, too, so please, please, please like, subscribe, join us on Instagram at Star Family Wisdom and Star Family Wisdom Podcast. Join us on Facebook, Star Family Wisdom, and our StarFamilyWisdom.com website. We're on YouTube. We're on many, many podcast uh, platforms. Please, please like, 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 subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. I almost tripped up on saying that three times and share it with your friends and your family if, you, if you're brave enough. Although we only met last year, the journey and experiences that have led us here were very similar. Five years ago, we each had experiences that changed our lives forever. And after years of healing and research and exploration, we now know that our reality is so much more expansive and beautiful than we used to believe. And we quickly became friends last year and started having long conversations about our experiences and the expansion of consciousness and the reality of ETs. And we wanted to share these conversations with you, which is how this podcast was born. It was indeed. Yes, we know that we're not alone on this planet. We know that we're not alone in the universe and we want to be able to share that information with you. So on this podcast, we intend to share conversations uh, with each other and with guests, amazing uh, guests we're going to have on for you. Ideas and information that will inspire you and support you on this wild journey of being human. And we're also going to explore ancient clues about our untold human story, real life supernatural experiences, lost knowledge from the stars and spiritual wisdom that empowers you to transform your life for the better. And because we're experiencers of supernatural phenomena and ET contact, it's important to us that we have open, mature, and fun conversations about what is possible and how we're evolving. We love all things woo. We love all things magic, but also mindset, science, spirituality, health, and wellness, and of course, extraterrestrial. And through those conversations, we want to explore how all of these topics seemingly separate do actually connect to inform the evolution of our human experience. And ultimately, we want to help everyone evolve in this human experience without fear. And things will get a little far out here at Star Family Wisdom, but we will ground you in the science and research and information that we've used to expand our minds. Yes, we want to be open to the incredible nature of our reality. We want to help you open to the incredible nature of our reality. It is far beyond what we think it is. And so together, we're going to discover and remember our place among the stars, not just on Earth. So today, to start us off, we have a wonderful friend and a very wise person, uh, been around in the field for a number of years now. His name is Michael J.S. Carter. He's a reverend in a Unitarian and Universal Church that is in North Carolina. Um, he's a fascinating person. He, he actually is 
uh, an expert in one of Jenna's favorite topics, which is ancient wisdom, biblical texts, ancient texts that um, contain clues about our real human origins and our real human history with regard to ETs and our intergalactic visitation. So I found that really fascinating to start off with talking about, you know, talking about those topics with Michael Carter. Um, he has such a wealth of knowledge, you know, being a reverend himself, having grown up Baptist and moved into a more uh, diverse uh, view of what religion and faith is, something that now includes his experiences with ETs and UFOs. It's just amazing how it all comes together. You know, you would never think it would be included in the same reality for one person, but it is. All those things are. Right. right. And having gone through those experiences and, you know, really facing this change in world view, he's, you know, now preaching and, you know, leading a congregation that's, you know, a Unitarian con congregation. So, so, you know, he can really be his authentic self. And, you know, I love how in this conversation, we talk about that journey, you know, the journey of becoming your authentic self and, and what it requires, you know, to leave, leave behind, you know, some of your old worldview and make that shift and, and how hard that is, how big that journey is. Yes, that's what you kind of mentioned in our intro, right? Star Family Wisdom is all about being paradigm busters. And that's definitely something that happened to Michael uh, Carter when he had his experiences with ETs, when he started to realize that reality was far more than what he had been taught by his family and faith system that it was. It absolutely busted his paradigm wide open, right? It turned everything upside down for him. And he's still on that journey. And I really love that he talks about how for him, it is the journey. It is the exploration and the process, not arriving at answers and concrete you know, definitions of what things are. He thinks that this is an ongoing, evolving process for all of us. Yeah, he also mentions the mystery, you know, the great mystery that is taught in so many spiritual traditions on earth and how as we're on this journey of learning more about our place in the galaxy, our place in the universe, our place in our own history, you know, speaking of the ancient texts that he'll, he'll speak about, it is, you know, it's really this, this process of, you know, allowing acceptance of that mystery of allowing this unfolding of the mystery and not, and being okay with not having all the answers, being okay with a little mystery in this experience. And, and while we're getting a lot more answers to our questions these days through various means, there's still a lot of unknowns and there's still a lot of questions and, and how we move through that is so, you know, important for our you know, experience, our life experience, to not be an experience of fear and, you know, negativity, but to be an experience of curiosity and openness. And I love how he approaches that, you know, with his congregation and also, you know, in this conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he, I love that he's also very non-judgmental, you know, of himself, yeah. of his experience, of the experiences of other people. He understands and he emphasizes in this conversation that love is the most powerful force in the universe and that can be applied in so many different ways right through really listening to someone if somebody has an experience that they, that they can't explain they might want to come to michael and say you know this is what i this is what happened to me i don't understand it i don't understand how this fits into my worldview and he's somebody who will just listen to that person give them a place to put those thoughts and those questions and you know talk it out with them and not feel like he has to give them answers or say something like because god says so, right? I mean, a lot of 
people in Christian faiths leave them because they feel, or not Christian, but religious faiths leave them because they feel like they can't ask questions necessarily, right? Mm -hmm. So Michael experienced that a little bit himself. And that is partly why now he's involved with the Unitarian and Universalist Church, because there's a lot of questioning and a lot of sharing of diverse experience, diverse perspectives, diverse worldviews and lived experience and belief systems that people bring into the church with them. He was saying something like uh, he once saw a Wiccan sitting next to a Christian sitting next to, a, you know, something an else. Atheist. <laughs> an atheist. Yeah, all in the same church. I just love that. Yeah. I love that too, right? It's like we we all don't have to have all of the answers, but we can be in community together working through our process of understanding more about ourselves and, you know, the world around us. Mm-hmm. And he he brings that ability to hold space for that, which is so beautiful. And and I also, you know, love how, you know, in this conversation in this episode, he does talk about you know, some of the human, I guess, need to label, to, you know, find answers or to come up with answers or to be all knowing and how so much of our journey is letting go of that. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, I mean, we we're referencing the biblical texts and the old texts that people use to um, create sometimes laws and, you know, ways of being that we uh, use in life now, right? Ways that we walk through life now are based on very old beliefs and very old systems that we created a long time ago with the help of God or other beings or gods, plural, you know, whatever you think that occurred. But Michael has found some really intriguing evidence, um, you know, in the very ancient texts and the early versions of the Bible that include mention of ETs, include mention of UFOs, mention the divine as a as a plural, not as a singular. These are all things that he talks about and is able to bring those contexts, those ancient clues and contexts into the present day and talk about how they still relate to what is unfolding now in our world, right? How we're having more and more contact all over the world with ETs and UFOs and also connecting with each other in our global community, largely through the internet to verify each other's experiences and validate them. Yeah, yeah and, and he talks about how, you know, so much of these modern experiences uh, are corroborated, right, are, are evidenced, you know, by our historical record, too. We've got, you know, this ability to look back and, and see things with new perspective. It's about, you know, exploring new perspective on some of these topics and some of these ancient texts. And as we're evolving as humans, it appears as though we're we're seeing more than maybe we did, you you know, once upon a time. And I think that's a really interesting thing that we're going through right now is to, to widen that perspective and to just view things through a different lens, maybe now that we have a little more information. And even we open the episode with a, a short conversation about uh, an incident that happened in Ukraine today or last night as we're filming this, there was some evidence and, you know, people talking about the fact that they saw some sort of ship or thing in the sky and there was lightning or some sort of pillar of light emanating from it. And then this morning, a convoy of Russian armored vehicles, you know, were destroyed. And what happened? What was that, right? We don't have all the answers. It's, you know, a very new kind of new story, but wow, like that's an example of maybe something that's very depicted very similarly to something that is depicted in ancient texts. So we, we ask Michael about that. You know, what does he think about that sort of thing? 
Yeah, and I, I really like how he talks about the word, the word divine, right? Because of course, Ukrainian people who witnessed this and were interviewed by the, uh, the news people, we're going to post the clip for the video, by the way, in the show notes, so that if you'd like to know what we're referencing, you can go to the show notes and watch this video yourself. But Michael is referencing that in the, um, in the news clip, the Ukrainian person who's being interviewed about these unusual experiences that have happened on the grounds uh, refers to it as possibly being divine intervention. And I really love that, Michael. I mean, of course, that's the knee jerk phrase, right? Divine intervention. Right. Most people right. say it's God or something from heaven. Um, yeah. And that makes total sense, right? Given our, our paradigm right now. And Michael really talks about um, with so much heart and an understanding of the duality in every, every event that you know maybe the ukrainians saw that as divine intervention because it was helpful to them but the russians might would not see it that way right they could have lost lives or had injured people or had you know lost valuable equipment that to them means a lot because of the amount of money involved so it really is all about perspective and mindset and we talk about that with michael a lot too you know in a much broader sense right talking about how we create our own reality and the mindset that we choose to have it brings more of what we choose to focus on into our lives we're creating it ourselves every minute of every day mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I really appreciated his perspective on that as well, and how while there might have been some intervention that occurred, you know, our, our labeling of what is divine and what isn't, you know, will always be through the lens of our, you know, own experience and. And we also talk towards the end about compassion and love. And while we all may have different viewpoints and perspectives on our religions or traditions or what they even mean, at the center of it all seems to be this driving force of love and compassion that can help us evolve in a much more positive way than you know some of the things we're experiencing today. And I, I love Michael's perspective on that and how how he likes to show up in his life to demonstrate that compassion and love for others me too me too he was talking about creating small moments you know seeing a lot of depth and opportunity in small moments to show the best of our humanity the best of our human nature with compassion or kindness or support or generosity or listening right yeah, Michael has a lot to offer, and we definitely have to have him back on the show. We didn't even get far enough into his personal experiences with ETs. He's met some places of them, and he brings that up during the talk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get into that a little bit, but we'll have to talk more about it because that's a whole episode in, a, in and of itself, right? Even just talking about someone's contact experiences, but, but I think so much of what we discussed was so relevant for what's going on today. And, and I think, you know, Michael brings a really beautiful perspective about how to move through these extraordinary experiences when they do happen and how to, how to help yourself through that process, because it, it can be a, a, a traumatic process for some, it can be an overwhelming process for some. And and I think he now at his stage in his journey just has a lot of wisdom to offer you know, those who are going through those experiences today. He does indeed, yeah. And it helps, of course, that he's a leader, right, in the spiritual field. He's somebody people can go to and ask questions of and talk things out with, you know, someone who's trusted in a safe space. So he's got really a lot to offer. And he's just such a lovely person, has a great sense of humor. So this was a conversation I really enjoyed. I'm very happy that Michael was our very first guest on our very first podcast. And I can't wait for people to hear him and hopefully connect with him more. Same. So with that, let's jump into it and we'll see y'all on the other side.
Sounds good. See you soon. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Star Family Wisdom Podcast. It is Sinead Willihan here sitting with you, talking with you today, and my wonderful co-host, Jenna Layden. Jenna, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks, Sinead. Hi, everyone. And we've got a special guest with us today. We do indeed. We have the wonderful Michael Carter, the Reverend J. Michael J.S. Carter, who is a dear friend of ours and also an expert well-known in the field for his particular take on ancient texts and evidence of ETs and UFOs in ancient biblical texts and other kinds of ancient texts. So we're very, very curious to talk with Michael today. Very happy that he's here and really excited to share his wisdom with you. So Michael, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I'm excited. I've been looking forward to this. And uh, here we are. We've been looking forward to it, too. We've been looking forward to it, too. So, Michael, I'm going to blow your horn a little bit here by um, trumpeting your wonderful achievements, just to let people know who exactly you are, why we thought you'd be a, a wonderful very first guest on our very first podcast. So you're originally from Baltimore, Maryland. You lived in New York to work as a professional actor for 25 years, and then you moved back to Asheville, North Carolina. You are an, an ordained interfaith minister. You've received your degree, your BA degree in letters from the College of New Rochelle, and you received a Master's of Divinity degree from the Union Theological Seminary in New York City. You have served various Unitarian Universalist congregations in New York. You've been trained in anti-racism. You have been recognized by President Clinton for your efforts on that front. And you've also been a columnist. You are a multi-talented guy. So you're now the minister for Unitarian Universalist Congregation of the Swannanoa Valley. I'm hoping yeah. I pronounced that properly. You did. Great. In the beautiful mountains of North Carolina. And you've written tons of stuff, tons of articles on UFOs and religion for a variety of um, so-called alternative publications. Uh, also some really, really well-known ones. And then you have a UFO support group in New York City that you were running and you've spoken at many UFO conferences. You've been on TV, you've been on Japanese television even, and you were also an experiencer yourself. So we have a great deal to talk about with you today. And I thought that I would let Jenna take it away with her very first question that she is dying to ask. So Jenna, would you like to jump in and start the conversation off? Yeah, let's get it going. So Michael, it's just such an honor to have you here today and it's been too long. So That's Michael so Michael and I met last year and um, it's my opinion that our star families brought us together so we can talk more about that later. Yes. Yes. But, you know, we, we've got a lot going on in the world right now. And specifically, you know, today as we record this, the war in Ukraine is ramping up. You know, Russia continues their invasion and, you know, our heart goes out to everyone affected and our prayers, you know, are going out every day as well. And we saw a really interesting news story this morning about prayer and divine intervention. And we want to get your take on this. So this news story was about something that happened last night in Ukraine. And there was a big, you know, Russian convoy, you know, moving towards one of the cities. And 
during the night, someone saw these like pillars of light, like lightning coming out of the sky and sparks, you know, happening on the ground. And then the next morning, oh, and there was also a, kind of a ship, some, some, something in the air, like something visible in the air that was, you know, kind of difficult to make out. And then this morning, the entire convoy of armored vehicles and weaponry were destroyed. And when I read this story, it made me think about some of our previous conversations about ancient texts and some of the evidence that might be there for ET intervention, you know, in our, you know, historical record, you know, we have, you know, depictions of pillars of light, chariots of fire, these flying machines and the Bible and other texts. And it makes me wonder, is that, is that what maybe happened? You know, maybe you can shed some light on what you understand about, you know, those historical accounts and yes. was that even possible? Well, um, the first thing that came to my mind, of course, was uh, the biblical story of the Exodus when yeah. Yahweh uh, parts the Red Sea and intervenes in uh, what was going on in Egypt. And that's a very crucial and vital event because prior to that, there was no Jewish religion. Right. Prior to that, there was no, it was just these ragtag tribes together who were following this God. And so there, there was divine intervention. Um, and, and I just put divine in, in quotes. The other things that made me think of were, of course, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah which people now are saying was probably a nuclear blast. The, the, the late scholar Zachariah Stitchin talked about in one of his books, The Wars of Gods and Men, that these ETs, uh, the Anunnaki, had, you know, different tribes. Thus, you should, have, you know, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Uh, of course, people say, well, it's a metaphor. You know, you, you, sex shouldn't be a god, money, whatever. But I think they were talking about real flesh and, and blood gods. Um, and the Vimanas, the flying machines that are talked about in the Mahabharata, uh, in the Upanishads, where these various gods were fighting each other in these flying machines called Vimanas. All that comes to mind. Um, the reason I put divine in quotes is because um, not unless it's, you know, maybe the the um, the tanks, the armored personnel carriers that that column was destroyed. There was probably loss of life, mm -hmm. and so war. I get it. I one of the reasons I left the biblical religion was because I didn't believe in a God who would do that. Do you know what I mean? That, that because you violence and this, and, and I, I get it, I'm a grown man, it's war. So I don't know if it was divine, um, you know, because if you're, you know, a Russian mom, it wasn't so divine. Mm -hmm. If you were, if you are a Ukrainian, it is. So we, but from what you're saying, there's a historical precedent Mm -hmm. It's like it's like Egypt. If you were an Egyptian mom or whatever, your your it wasn't so good. Yeah, but if yeah. you were an an Israelite, yeah, I knew you would come. You know that kind of thing. But 
you know, these folks, whatever it was, you just, it's just not okay to, to invade sovereign nations. Mm -hmm. You know, there's gotta be a different way. So I'm not gonna be judge and jury about that, but whatever happens, you brought it on yourself and there's plenty of room to go around, plenty of blame, but to just take tanks and roll, it's barbaric, it's archaic. And we, we've got to find different ways to settle our differences. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm hoping that some new stations, I know Sinead said she would send it to me. I'm very curious about it. And I'm wondering how many stations, you know, will, yeah. will show it, you know? Yeah, yeah, because it sounds like- That kind of stuff. Is hush, 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 hush. Exactly. And that's that's an interesting thing, right? To to be experiencing that that sort of conversation is just out yeah. there in mainstream news, right? Maybe, you know, maybe yes. this is causing a shift too in our consciousness to be open to that sort of. I, 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 I agree with you 110%. I mean, ever since the, the UAP situation, I mean, UFO, UAP, call them what you will, a rose by any other name is still a rose. You know, people don't snicker so much now. There's no chuckling when you talk about this. Yes, there are still those people who will say, oh, come on. But, but once the military, once the government, not as transparent as one would like maybe, but if I'm speaking of my government, um, once they at least admitted to that, it's really taken seriously, yeah. a little more seriously. And I think that that's always a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we know now, I mean, the United States, yeah, the United States government has is getting closer and closer to admitting the full depth of their knowledge, understanding that, you know, UFOs and ETs are real. Many other countries in the world, many other governments in the world have already said, yes, yes. they are real. I mean, I believe every South American country has. And in South America, there's even, uh, I've been to Peru, Jenna, I think you've been to Peru also, or you want to no. go, or she wants yeah, to go. Exactly. In my mind, you've been there. Um, but uh, the, in the culture, you know, in Peru, people just assume that ETs are real because there's a yeah. cultural understanding that they may have participated in, you know, the, these incredible mm -hmm. constructions, archaeological constructions that exist in Peru. But going back to the Bible, Michael, um, and referencing what Jenna was getting into, when these things would happen, you know, when so-called so-called divine intervention or, or whatever it was that how people were referencing it in these ancient texts, I don't know how they were referencing it or what they were calling it, but when this light would come down from the sky or these ships would appear, how are they described in the text? Like, what is the perspective of the people who wrote these stories as to what they are? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, the Romans would talk about flying shields. Okay, mm -hmm. because they were this shape and that, um, you know, chariots, flying chariots, of course, the pillar of cloud by day, the pillars. They were trying to describe what they saw with the vernacular of their day because the technology, you know, that technology is godlike. Mm -hmm. uh, so they were using the vernacular of their day trying to describe what they saw. So, you know, Jesus coming uh, and leaving on a cloud. Well, our ancestors were not stupid people. They knew that you didn't ride on clouds, but you know they also knew that in the daytime, these 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 craft could um, camouflage themselves in clouds, and they also shone at night. Uh, the pillar of fire, uh, uh, the pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. So it's interesting how they tried to describe mm -hmm. what it is they saw. Elijah goes up 
in the chariots, you know, the fiery chariots. And so the, the Bible is many things, the Quran as well. Uh, uh, and, you know, I, I don't want to tamper with people's belief systems, even though that's probably what I'm doing. But there are many layers of reality in these sacred books with many profound truths. Mm. And at the same time, our ancestors seem to be telling us of, um, of interactions with otherworldly beings. There's no other way, at least for me, to, um, to, 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 to deny that anymore. It's like, you know, you raise your eyes are wide shut. You know, you don't even think about asking these questions. Um, when I talk to people, um, the first thing they do is they say, can I still believe in God? Can I still be a Christian and believe in extraterrestrials? And, you know, it's, there's this angst because they want to keep their faith tradition. Of course. And, 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 and you know, so, you know, and, and, and that's what they hold on to. But they're like, well, now this new reality has come in. This paradigm has come in. And the church, you know, collectively, no, we don't talk about that. Or we'll pray for you. Or that must be the devil or what have you. And so you see this paradigm shift and you see people struggling. At least I do. But you have to remember that yesterday's blasphemies are today's truths. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, there's, you know? also been, there's also been a lot of you know, commentary on some of the like angelic beings or, or angelic kind of presences that may have shown up in ancient texts and how those are depicted similarly to some of what we hear now with ET contact stories. And, and my belief is that both are true, that ETs and angelic beings are real, that both exist in our reality. And, and, and I'm curious, you know, what your, I guess, viewpoint or perspective is on those similarities. Yeah, I, I want to be careful because I don't want to offend anybody. Yes, there are such things as, as angels. Um, What's, what's, what is curious is that in the Bible, First and Second Testament, Old New Testament, call it what you will, uh, Book of Enoch, uh, the Apocryphal Old Testament, they're never described with wings. Mm -hmm. You see, I believe our ancestors put wings on them to try to let us know that these beings could fly. Mm. But I'm careful to say because there is an angelic reality. But you have to remember uh, um, the, the name in Hebrew, Malta. Anyway, um, it's slipping my mind now. It just meant messenger, emissary. You know what I mean? So what's curious to me is that in, in, in the Bible, some of the stories like with Abraham and Sarah, these beings were humanoid. They ate, you know, they ate food. And it was something about them that the earth, the earthlings knew that this was a God. Mm. Not the God, but a God. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you read the stories, when they're talking about the Lord, sometimes it's with a capital L, sometimes a small L. They could be talking about the commander of a ship. Because if they're talking about the person who's sitting on the throne and it was high and lifted up, that could just have been the commander of a ship. 
Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and again, but not losing sight of, but whatever it is, whatever it is, this person is still coming from the sky. And and so what 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 are those similarities? What are those differences? Um, they would make sacrifices and cook meat. And in one part of the Bible, I have to go, um, they, the, 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 Yahweh talked about the aroma of the good meat. So these folks were not vegetarians. I mean, they were, they were eating the food. They were, they, they, they were, they were enjoying. Of course, they made it with, with earth women and they created a whole other race of beings. So in a lot of ways, they were like us. You see it in Greek mythology. They have their jealousies and their adulteries and their their affairs and and they have all these weapons and and so I you know I I don't know uh, for me personally and that's why I love the the Lakota they talk about Wakatanka in the great mystery that that this is a mystery but there's a creator there's there's an intelligence but these other beings could just be lesser beings with this technology and we know just because you have um technological prowess doesn't mean you're spiritually advanced look at look at look at us uh -huh. <laughs> and, and some of these beings um and so it just makes us have to look at religion with a different lens yes and um and that's scary to folks especially folks who have power yes yeah. Uh, but 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 even back in the day, I mean, if you read Egyptian history, I'm not sure if the Exodus story is even mentioned. I mean, how do you explain that you lost your whole army? Hmm. Well, I don't know too many texts in Egyptian antiquity that says that the Jews were escaping. And we sent our army out. I mean, if, if you're a pharaoh, you can't admit that. <laughs> so even then, there were cover-ups. Do you know what I mean? Nice. And so, and so, these these civilizations, these, uh, um, you know, these geopolitical empires, they repressed a lot of knowledge. That's why you had mystery schools, and of you had course. people had to go underground. You know what I mean? To practice the metaphysics just the different uh, way of viewing reality because it could cost you your life mm -hmm. or you could be kicked out of the temple or the yeah, mosque or wherever it was. Yeah. 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 We have and, to and remember. So it's, it's, hap it's happening. It could happen today. Yeah. Yeah. The same thing. I mean, human, human habits really don't, uh, you know, old habits die hard, as they say. I think that's kind of a loose phrase to use over many, many thousands of years of history. But that is basically what's happened, you know, as you're kind of alluding to. And we do have to keep in mind, I, I understand why people who are religious are, um, are you know, uh, intimidated or, or feel threatened or unsettled by this kind of information, because, of course, anything that makes you question, especially if, if, if your family's been religious for many generations, but if it's interwoven deeply and innately and instinctively into how you think and feel, how you view the world, how you see other people, your entire paradigm is being turned upside down. That is really, really unsettling. Maybe in a similar way that uh, people who are experiencers get kind of, have, you know, have their minds blown by their first contact experience, right? It really rocks your paradigm and rocks your perspective. Oh, man. I wanna, yeah. yeah, it really, as you've experienced, and we want to hear about well, that. as you both have. 
personal experiences as well. But I just want to stay with the, the, the ancient text for the beginning of this conversation because it kind of sets the ground, right? Sets the foundation for your 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 experience to be uh, shared with our audience right now. So I want to go back to what you were saying about how we have translated these ancient texts and that it's been a bit of broken telephone, right? I mean, we really have the human mind and the human instinct and human compulsions and needs have influenced how these texts have been written or altered over time. That's kind of what you're saying. So one of the things that I also find really fascinating that you mentioned to me in a casual conversation we had, uh, Michael, just one-on-one, -on -one, you're chatting as friends, you said that um, the original phrase or name for God was actually plural, not sing singular, right? That it was referencing a we. Yes, yes. So I wanted um, to ask you about that because what is your take on that? That comes up in a few different ancient texts that are, you know, not just Christian Catholic based, but they're all over the world referring to this divine thing being consciousness, whatever, as we as a collective. So what do you what do you make of that? Do you think that's ETs? Do you think like, what do you think that that is? Oh, I definitely do. I'm, I'm thinking just of Western culture now. Uh, and Zachariah Stitchin and his work again, uh, Sumerian, uh, the late Zachariah Stitchin, who I happened, I had the pleasure of meeting once in New York. We had lunch at a Burger King. Um, he, um, you know, he is one of what, six people who can read the Sumer, who could have read the Sumerian tablets of, and of Gilgamesh and what have you. He was a Jewish man and he realized in Genesis six, um, and it's in any Bible, any translation, that um, it's let us make man in our image. And the word is Elohim, which means it's, it's more than one. And so you have a group of gods, goddesses, uh, star people, call them what you will. And they are saying that it's a collaboration. It's a collaboration. And so that is the game changer. That's the game changer. Um, at least for me it is. And it was for Zachariah Sitchin and others who thought along those lines that we're not talking about one being. Now, again, not saying that there's not one cosmic intelligence. I believe it is. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to call it. I know it does, it's not anthropomorphic, but there's some, but these beings uh, had the technology, had the ways and the means to create hybrids and, and, and other beings. That's what they did and let us create uh, human beings in our image. When you read Genesis 6 and you get the book of Enoch, it's a must have. Um, it elaborates on Genesis 6 and Enoch was a scribe and he walked with the gods, he was their scribe. And he talks about, he expands Genesis 6. He talks about the 200 uh, uh, angels who, came down to earth and, and, and took wives and, and gives their names and talks about that, I guess there was some type of prime directive where you weren't supposed to fraternize with the natives. <laughs> that got them in trouble, didn't it? <laughs> oh boy, well, he talks about that. And uh, it was one of them was named Sam Jay-Z, Sam Jay-Z, he gives, which is interesting because Billy Myers talks about one of his contacts being a Palladian being some days, and then they use different names and what have you. But 
but they also taught us. Um, he says that they taught us astrology, astronomy, how to use crystals and rocks, taught us how to use dyes, how to use defensive weapons. And so, but you know, sex is powerful. And they, they, they got in a lot of trouble for this. You're not supposed to do that with these folks. And so, um, it's, you know, that, that root chakra energy is serious stuff. And, <laughs> and so, you know, that Eros kind of energy. And so they took wives, we're told, and they created another race of being giants. Some of them had only three fingers and what have you. But that is the story. And you see why Enoch was taken out of the canon. Yeah. This book was not uh, was not allowed in. That's controversial, right? That's controversial. Uh, yes, 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 yes. And so, you know, there is yet another uh, a hint as to uh, as what in, in 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 the apocryphal book of uh, of the Old Testament. There's a book called the Jubilees. Oh, by the way, Enoch calls these beings the Watchers mm -hmm. in the book of Jubilees. They talk about the watchers. These are clearly extraterrestrial beings who are having affairs with, with women, with earth women. Um, there are stories in the Greek pantheon, uh, which if you look at it from an ancient astronaut kind of perspective, where there were women who were like the Lotharios, you know what I mean? They were, they were taking earth men and a good time was had by all. And so um, you start seeing um, these stories and it, 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 you know, like the scales fall from your eyes. You're saying, no, wait a minute. Uh -huh. Look at this. Let me, let me look at this. And, and, and at the same time, you can still hold on to, if you believe in a creator or God or what have you, but it does make you have to rethink, um, uh, you know, who was it who said the unexamined life is not worth living? Maybe Plato or Socrates, but Malcolm X said, the unexamined faith is not worth having. Mm, I and love so that, yeah. You got to rethink sometimes. When, you know, Paul talks about in Corinthians, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I acted like a child, but now I'm an adult. And so, you know, the stories, you know, you don't believe in Santa Claus anymore. Want to be careful. Not, not saying that that's, you're immature or what have you, but you start realizing that the world is a little more complicated. It's not just if you're good, you know, like Santa Claus, you get the good stuff. And if you're not, life is a little more complicated. It's not so much either or, and it's both and. Mm -hmm. And so it'd be easier if it was just this or that, but life isn't like that. It's a lot. That's why I love the Taoism. Uh, some, it's, there's a little dark in the light and a little light in the dark. This is what life is. Uh, Picard, uh, uh, before he was Picard, Patrick Stewart, wonderful line on, on uh, Next Generation, which I have yet to watch. But I saw where he said, um, you know, you can still do everything right and still fail. That's not a fault. That's just life. Mm. And religion tends to oversimplify. Mm. Yeah. It's easier that way. You don't have to think. You don't have to reconcile. Um, you know, uh, you know, these laws that we were given. And um, it's, it's a game changer. And, and, you know, the more you can say you don't know, the wiser you are. Because what it does is it, we get more questions. 
than answers. But in the West, we're taught that we have to have all the answers and that, but you, you really don't. And sometimes it's more questions um, than answers. And, and, and it's okay to be able to live with mystery. Okay to say, I don't know, um, that kind of thing. Oh, Michael, I, I love that. You said that so much, Jenna, I'm going to push it to you. I'm sorry, I just have to jump in and say, I just love that because I could not agree more about our attachment to answers. It's so important to live in the mystery. And when you live in a place of, I don't know, then you have more possibility to learn, right? If you yes. say, oh, I know, then your mind is closed. And you're That's not right. going to learn anymore. If you That's say, right. I don't know, you can learn more. So Jenna, what were you yeah. about to say? Yeah, I, th I agree. I think there's just so much, so much complexity to life. And when we yes. think about That's the word. Just how big our galaxy and universe are, gosh, the amount of complexity that exists beyond our planet, you know, would be huge. And so I, yeah, I think that's so important to just sit with that complexity and, and an acceptance of that and, and to not have all of those answers, right? Because that when we feel like we're seeing it now. Yeah, uh, you know we don't even have to talk about cosmic stuff. Uh, I remember Jesus saying to Nicodemus, "If I think it was Nicodemus, if I he couldn't grasp what born again meant, and and uh, you know Jesus said, hey, man, you know, if I speak to you of earthly things and you don't understand, how will you understand when I speak to you of heavenly things?' Um, we're seeing it now with wars and stuff. You know, we're not even talking about cosmic stuff. You 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 can't think of another way." to settle a difference mm -hmm. than violence. That's so unimaginative. Mm -hmm. That is so, un it's just obsolete. It's like you're in a, you're in a different time. It's barbaric. Yeah. So I'm just saying all that to say that even with earthly stuff, I can't think of another way to deal with you than to smack you in the face. Very unimaginative. Right. There's got, there's got to be a better way. There is. There a is. Way. It takes time to figure it out. <laughs> yes. And you may not know it. Yeah. And you may say, we'll come back to the table. And I'm not oversimplifying. I know some people would say, well, yeah, I'm not a, a diplomat. I'm not, you know, if I had the Nobel Prize, we could split the money. But I do know we see what war does. We've seen this. And you continue to do it. It's just frustrating. Yeah, it is. it is. You know, I, we've talked a lot about that over the last couple of weeks, Sinead and I, just our own processing, you know, around that, that struggle, right? And just what you said about how barbaric it is and, and how, you know, we're in this struggle, right, as a civilization to break out of that, to break out of that phase. And, and you know, I'm curious what, what you see, you know, for our future. You know, I know you you've done a lot, so much work, you know, in your life to contribute to, to healing, you know, our, our, our civilization and, and, and to help, you know, us, us find harmony with each other. And I'm just, I'm curious what you think about where we're headed, you know, after this, you know, are we, are we going to, to, to be able to, to move through this kind of transformation we're going through and find that acceptance with all the complexity. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna, you follow my own advice. I don't know. I know that we have the potential and there are possibilities, but I just don't know collectively what our leaders will do. Yeah. Um, now that, I wrote something for my church today. Now that doesn't mean that you give up. You can't afford to give up. You got to stay on the love train, like the OJ said. 
But, um, you know, I, I don't know where we're headed. I just know that I can do my part and that's all that's required. Um, I, I think we have a window to go into this new, I guess we'll call it Aquarian age. This, and I do know that frequencies are changing. I, and and, and but, but I don't wanna say, but I'll say, and, and it depends on where our leaders wanna take us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I was talking, someone posted on Facebook the other day. I didn't respond. I don't like to respond to stuff with people I don't know. And I don't want to argue with people I don't know. But it was just the, the certainty that, oh, don't worry about Ukraine. Uh, the, the extraterrestrials, you know, if, we, if, if there's a nuclear launch, they'll come in. And I was just going to write, how do you know this? How do you know this? Um, and I don't know. Maybe some races have a prime directive. Some don't. To me, it's kind of, uh, I, I can see maybe them coming in because when you split the atom, it, it affects so many different dimensions and so many different frequencies. It's not Mickey Mouse, but I also know on, a, on another level that, well, I, I, I believe in, you know, you know, the earth has had different changes and, you know, it's always been here, but civilization comes and they come and go. You know, Native American folk out where you all talk about, we're in the fourth world now, there were three other worlds. There was fire, could have been a nuclear exchange, there was water, but I don't know. But I also don't, like my daughter, when she was young, girl, if she, I'm just using this as an example, she's pretty tame. But let's say I bought her a bike and um, she just never took care of it and it broke or whatever. And then she'd ask me for another one. I would say, when you show me that you can take care of what I got, what I gave you, then I can respond and get you another one. And so to say someone's going to help clean up our mess, it would be nice and it may be true, but I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I, like, uh, I hear what you're and, and I wouldn't get on Facebook and write that with the certainty, but that's just me because it kind of diminishes. It's like people saying, when you continually say how brave the Ukrainians are, I just read something the other day, it was a wonderful article. This woman was saying, I forget her credentials. Yes, they're brave, but you also have to remember what it's costing them this bravery, the trauma, mm -hmm. the fear, what it's doing to their nervous systems. And it keeps, our leaders, well, they're so brave. You know, they are brave, but they, they're going to pay a cost for this, whether it's death for some of them, but, you know, it's post-traumatic stress. Yeah. And so there's, there's always that yin-yang kind yes. of thing. Yes. You know, you see it in races, you see it in people of color. You know, when I was coming up, if you went, people who went to therapists, A, they thought that, well, you're privileged, only white brothers and sisters do that, but, um, you know, I gotta be strong, you know, for Jesus or whatever. Some, sometimes being strong is being vulnerable. Sometimes being strong is breaking down and crying. Sometimes, you know, maybe Superman one day would say, oh, I just can't, I'm just tired of this. You know, it's okay, he's still Superman, but, but you know what I mean? And to, to prop this unrealistic kind of um, reality of what it means to be human, it can be just as harm. Agreed. It, it's yeah. a lot. It's a lot for yeah. us all to process, right? I mean, the collective and compounded trauma, right? Yeah. That 
planet yeah. continues to experience. No, no question they're brave. It's awful. Vietnamese yeah. people were brave. And, you know, when we were there, we had our own soldiers were brave. But you come back scarred from this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, Michael, you mentioned. If you come back. If you come back. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the, the PTSD and the, you know, effect on, you know, the nervous system of people who are going through that sort of trauma and, and, you know, people who are experiencers have also had, you know, trauma and PTSD from, from those extraordinary experiences. That's what my book, that's what my, my new book talks about. I'd love for you to share a little about, you know, as people are having, whether it's a, you know, traumatic, you know, experience related to war, whether it's, you know, an extraordinary experience that is challenging your worldview or whether you are just awakening and evolving your perspective. And that's, you know, just this really challenging, difficult process. You know, how do you guide people through that? Like, how have you, you know, moved through that process? It's a great question, Jenna. I was fortunate enough, okay, I didn't think that at the time, at the time I was having my experiences, not at the beginning, maybe several years in, um, I had a support group to go to, but I was in therapy for some family of origin stuff. So, and I was fortunate enough to have a therapist who no matter what he thought, I'm, I'm sure he believed more, he believed that I, but he listened, there was no judgment. And for me, just the listening was enough. I mean, you both probably, how many times have you been on one side or the other where someone talks to you and you, you just listen and next thing you know, they go, oh, thank you, Sinead. Boy, it's good talking to you. I feel great. You know what I mean? Because there's something healing there. there there's a space you create being non-judgmental. What helped me was I was in a support group and I happened to be guided to a support group that was more John Mack kind of perspective. My friend Bud was in another support group and we would get together occasionally, the, the different groups. But um, it was like a desert and a sea between us because most of the people in uh, Brother Bud's uh, group had had sperm and ovum taken, anal probes, traumatic. So they thought of it collectively speaking as this is demonic may be too strong a word, but there's no good that can come of it. I happened to be guided to a group where we had some trauma. I mean, I still do have it, but overall I wouldn't trade it. Outside the, the birth of my daughter, this is, it's up there. This is it, you know. Um, but the birth of my daughter still comes first because I watched her being born. But my point being is that to get the help I talk about in the book, I give a few people that maybe, I don't even know, some of them may not even still be practicing, but if you can get in a group where you get some support, a friend that can call me, where you can just get it out. No judgment, listening, active listening. It just made the difference where I, you know, because uh, because when I went, it helped me realize I wasn't crazy. And the other thing is Einstein's quote, which I love. Um, but that's the answer to your question. If you can get some help, just listening. It doesn't have to be clinical in the sense of it. Maybe it may take you a while to find some people. But the basic thing is this, and I, I agree with Einstein on this. 
he says, the most important question we can ask ourselves is, is the universe a friendly place? Hmm. That's the most important question you, because your answer will affect the, the way, the rest of the way you live your life. And if it's not, and there may be reasons for you not to be incest, abuse, I'm not saying, you know, you have to heal from that. But if you believe that the universe is basically chaos and not a safe place, it's going to be hard to do the mission. Yeah. Until you, whether it's an NDE, OBE, bad marriage, you can learn from joy, don't get me wrong, but human beings have a tendency, something has to wake you up. But you can yeah. learn from joy. I remember a therapist saying he was jogging early in the morning in um, San Francisco one morning and said, as the sun came up, he just couldn't explain it, but it shifted his consciousness. And that was an experience for him, just jogging. Oh, wow. You know, um, so to, to, to the healing, it's the listening um, is, is, it's key. And, and, and it, it connects us because we need to hear each other's stories. Yeah. Um, I'm not just talking about UFO stories, but the narrative, how, how you know, your life, how'd you get to where you are? Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, oh. like you're alluding to whatever we make, whatever we focus on, we make more of. So if we're somebody who believes that the universe is a big, scary, unfriendly place, then, and that's how we're walking through life. Then of course, we're going to draw more of that kind of experience, you know, towards us. Um, but I also hear you, you know, you and I have talked personally as well as in on panels and in interviews and things like this. And I've heard you say that, you know, even though you grew up as a person of faith and a family that had a very strong faith, you went to church regularly, it was a big part of your life. Your faith is still very much a part of your life. You are reverend, you are supporting people in a community, you are supporting a church, you are somebody that people go to who, as you were just pointing out, you are someone they can go to and talk to about anything and receive, you know, receptivity, non-judgment, not judgmental receptivity and no judgment. So there's, I want to kind of touch on your own faith for a minute. There's a, there's a quotation from Stephen Hawking um, that I really love. This is a little bit ironic because Stephen Hawking did believe that ETs and UFOs were real, but he thought they were most likely coming to hurt us. Mm -hmm. um, and he stated that publicly, and there was a whole bunch of controversy around that. You know, people in the field saying, well, that's not our experience, but that's an everlasting conversation. You know, what are they here for? So we can't really answer that question firmly with a clear 100% guaranteed answer. We can as you were also talking about bringing it back, bring it back to ourselves, you know, our own experience and how we are choosing to think and feel as we walk through our life, as we create, you know, we learn to create the life that we want. So experiences such as faith in whatever way we have our faith can help us with that, right? Can help us expand uh, our understanding of how life works and what our potential is as a human yeah. being. So Stephen yeah. Hawking says, to confine our attention to terrestrial matters would be to limit the human spirit. And so he said, you know, let's take it beyond Earth. Let's take it out into space. Let's zoom out our perspective. So, Michael, your faith keeps that zoomed out perspective in mind always, right? Because you're having an intergalactic experience of your faith. You're not having a purely Earth-based yeah, experience. I, so can you talk about that with us? Tell us what your faith is like now that you know that each piece yeah. are real. You know, my faith didn't change. As a matter of fact, I don't even call it faith anymore. It's like, I don't need faith anymore. I know. Mm -hmm. I know. 
that certain things are real. And, um, and, and that was, it's big for me even to say that now because uh, a lot of people think that's arrogant. I'm, I'm reading, I'm rereading the part two of A Course in Miracles, A Course of Love. The language is less archaic, but the truths are, are, are profound. And, 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 and uh, the channel entity, Jesus, whoever it's supposed to be, talks about that you get to a point in your life where you don't have to seek anymore. You just have to apply what you know. I am at, I've been at that place for several years, but it took me a while to say it because, well, who do you think you are, whatever? And I remember the story of Jesus saying, I and my father are one. And people threw rocks at him and called him, you know, talked about bad about his mother and everything else. And um, so he, but he was saying the truth because his father wasn't from here, but they couldn't, they couldn't get that. What, what, what is important for me, to my good friends, you guys, is that I'm always remembering, see, see Stephen Hawkins and folks, I love it, but you have to remember that everybody's not ready to do that. It was the same the story I told you with Nicodemus. If I if I talk to you about earthly things and you don't, you're not getting it, <laughs> get it when I'm talking about that. And all I'm saying is not that we have to put our light under a bushel, but we have to reserve that compassion, that understanding, that empathy, because this is scary stuff. Mm-hmm. And so yes, we can take it out there. I take it out there. I'll have that conversation with people if we're open to it, but you know, you, you know, you know, you got it's like showbiz. You got to know your audience. You know I, mean? <laughs> I think I think our audience is open to it. We're 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 getting no out no here. Question. But I'm talking about, but we can be in our bubble. But yeah. When you go out here, it's, yeah. it's different. Yeah. That's all yeah. Uh, but 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 what I did was it just opened me up. The experiences opened me up. I started seeing it was it was difficult because I was like in the closet to coin a phrase because I couldn't talk about it with everybody, that kind of thing. But I always knew that love was the most empower, powerful um, energy in the universe. Maybe I knew it from other lifetimes. I always knew that. I didn't need anyone to tell me that but I knew it in a, a more mature way. But all I did was, but what was scary, raised this in the Baptist tradition, I had to leave it. Not all of it, but I had to leave the dogma. Mm. And that was scary for people. It was scary for me. Where do I go with it? But the basic truths were there, that we didn't create ourselves, that there's an energy out there, a source, that we all belong to. You can call it God, you can call it Jesus, you can call it what you want. The blowback that I got, which I just weathered, mostly from my Christian brothers and sisters, is because we think that Christianity is the main religion. I'm not talking about we here, but you know, we tell, you know, we wake. Yeah, there's Buddhism, which is a philosophy, and there's Muhammad, and uh, we, we really know what the main, what the real deal is. That is the attitude, isn't it? <laughs> In America, you know, we're a theocracy. We don't want Iran to become a theocracy, uh, but, you know, we want to be a Christian nation, please. And so 
what I got from Christian folk, traditional Christian, was that what you're saying, Michael, what kind of minister are you? What you're saying is Christianity is no longer unique. That you can find the message of love over here in the Quran, over here in the Dhammapada. You can, there's no savior, there's no, and yeah, I just had to weather that storm and they're right. Um, I know people who can't stand religion, period. And they will say, oh, come on, Michael, all the religions aren't, aren't saying the same thing. Come on, you look at history. And I just say, okay, well, that's a perspective. I think at their core level, they are trying to say the same thing. How do I deal with my relationship with this, whatever that is? And how do I, just like a cross, how do I deal with the relationship here? And then you just draw the circle around and you have the four directions. But, and so that's what scared people. What about Jesus? What, 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 what about him? Great guy. Brother, yeah. Love it. But there are other brothers and sisters who was, you know, Buddha was talking 500 years before Jesus. Even if you don't buy into that Jesus was in India, I happen to think there's a lot of evidence that he probably was. But, but, but we, we, because we're, we're educated in the West, the West is, I'll put it to you like this. We were talking about metaphysics and manifesting, creating the world. Science says, it's changing, so I wanna be fair, show, show them some love, but science still basically says, believe, uh, uh, show me and I'll believe. Basically that's science still says that. Faith says, believe, and I'll show you. Two very different ways of looking at life. Yeah. That's why we had this clash. Now it's changing with quantum theory and quantum physics, but it's still slow. But yeah. basically science says, show me and I'll believe. But we come from a different, we, we, we've gone to another place and we say, no, no, believe and I'll show you. But those are two different ways of looking at life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Very and, different ways. And you've, you've been shown some things. We've talked a bit about, you know, your evolution to this point, to, to knowing what you know and feel deeply now. And that, you know, it was uh, an evolution that happened because of your ET experiences. So maybe we can switch gears and, and, and end on that note and talk a little bit about your personal contact experience and what that was like and how that, how that opened you up. Well, well, I, you know, I, I still have them. I mean, the first one was in 1989 that I recall. I had little things happen when I was a child, but I don't recall seeing beings. Maybe, you know, and uh, the last time was 2019 when I saw the praying mantis uh, person. But uh, yeah, I was already on a path when they came. Um, you know, I was, I was in New York. I was an actor. I was drugging and sexing and living the high life. You know, I was talented, just like everybody else. And I was enjoying all that that comes with it. But I knew in my spirit that this, this wasn't it. 
And so I, you know, I would stop partying and I do my show and, and then I get back to it. And then, but I, at the whole time I was studying, I was studying Aquinas and I was studying Sartre and I was studying you know, all the other existentials. So I was already on a path. I don't want to make it seem like uh, these brothers and sisters came in with magic wand and voila. I had to put the work in. I had to do the footwork as the Coy Marion Williamson's phrase. But I, um, when they came, it was the game changer. I, and after they came, because I, I had just come back from Mexico. So this was the first um, encounter, December 28th, 1989. And uh, I was, you know, my nervous system, it took me 10 years, it took, well, 15 years. And even now, I don't turn the light out until I'm almost asleep. Like that's going to stop them from coming. But, um, and not that, not that I really want to. It's just that when they pop up, they're just like there. Like I could be looking here, then I turn around and my nervous system is like, what the? And you know, they look bizarre. I mean, a man like looks like that or a woman looks like that. And even with the, with the Nordic, it was bizarre. Just as they showed up, more humanoid. Um, well, they're all humanoid. But it opened me up. I, it was easier for me. Physiologically, my hair grew faster. Nails grew faster. Beard. Well, I don't have a beard. I just have this. Um, got by on less sleep. I always saw auras, but even as a kid, I thought everybody did. But they were heightened. Intuition was heightened. Everything was like heightened. And I guess the, the term people use now are downloads. I just felt more intelligent, but I was already intelligent because I was reading all the time. I, it was just things where the vibration was raised. Yeah. And so thanks to people like Dr. Barry Downing, reading his books, they weren't experiences, but they had talked about the Bible and these texts. And I said, well, if this person visited me in December 28, 1989, then he probably was here in 1989 BCE. And if he was here in 1989 BCE, that means that these folk have been here. And so I started and they kept coming twice a month, eight months, almost a year. They just kept, the hits just keep on coming. And they would come when I was alone and they would paralyze me. They showed me a past life as a religious figure. Um, they got all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm doing Reiki all of a sudden. I didn't want to do Reiki. I didn't know what Reiki was, but I, I could feel them. You know, it was mopped at me, but then, yeah, come on, you know about this, go on. And, um, and I just started this journey where I got more secular in the sense of, I'm using it the way the Dalai Lama uses it or they do, and it, it, it doesn't mean you're not spiritual. Here it's like either you're religious or secular, but religion proper pay, uh, was less involved in my life. Science and religion were merging. Um, I didn't have that divide and uh, I was just a little more open, but I was already on that path. And the more human I became, the more div divine cosmic I became. Um, I give you an example. I love Even that. in the drugs I did when I was coming up partying, I liked drugs like, you know, acid and cocaine and all this stuff. I like stuff to keep me, you know, I don't need that now. And I don't use any of that for years. 
But I even with my meditation, I would go to psychics and whatever. They said, you got to get grounded. Grounded. Now, in my, I don't have a lot of earth in my astrological chart. Mm -hmm. But when I started getting it, when I meditated, I started envisioning these roots going into the earth. I started wearing more obsidian, black tourmaline. I started, and the, I got it that the more grounded I became, the further up I could go. Mm -hmm. You know? But I like stuff that kept me, you know, the buzz. Even after they came, the buzz, man, I was, I could like, I could sleep for two hours a night, maybe for a week or 10 days. But my body would say, hey, man, what are you doing? You can't. I know you can't. what you mean. Sinead and I just experienced that recently. Yeah, yeah, the after can't. effects. <laughs> yeah, you can't get, it's lovely, but you can't keep doing this. And um, so, there was, so the more the more I could learn to say I'm sorry, I forgive you, uh, I love you, uh, I'm scared. The more in my body I could be, a the more human I became, and by that I mean more aware of my wants, of my needs, of my hopes, of my fears. The more authentic I became the more connected to all that is I became. It's, it's almost like a paradox. Yeah, I really love that, Michael, what you said. The more human I became, the more cosmic I became. I feel like that is a truth. I just want to emphasize that you said that. I really feel that that is a truth, not just in my own experience, but hearing um, the experiences of many other people. I was a research and interview assistant for Grant Cameron for a couple of years and got to meet a lot of people and hear a lot of stories that way. And it really is, you know, that's not how everyone phrases it. I think you captured it so beautifully and succinctly just now, but that is definitely a common experience with a lot mm -hmm. of people is the more they get in touch with themselves, the more they connect with their humanity and their body is part of that. As you were pointing out, living in your body, really grounding yourself mm -hmm. in, you know, this container that we're walking through in this life that helps us absorb and translate our experience of being human. Uh, we can't really fully have that unless we really have an integrated relationship with our bodies. But it also makes me think of trees, right? Trees are a really, really common uh, symbol or emblem in the, spiritual, in the spiritual community. And what you said reminds me of trees because trees are, you know, some people think of them as portals or pathways. You know, their roots go really, really, really down, for, you know, down, down deep into the earth. You can't see them. Then you see the strong trunk stretching up towards the sky and then the branches and the leaves go up towards the universe. It kind of makes me think of that, what you said, because of course, the more a tree grows, the deeper its roots goes, go into the earth and yet the higher it goes towards the sky as well, right? So mm -hmm. it's all about nurturing the body, the trunk and the energy that flows through our body that goes down into the earth we live on and up into the universe that we are part of as well. So I just really love how you illustrated that. And I wanted to emphasize that for our audience. Yeah, it's, it's, it's lovely. I, I, you know, you got to peel the onion, you know, you got to look at yourself warts and all. It's the inward journey, like the Course talks about. It's the journey without distance. And we live in a society where everything is so other aided. Everything is out there. But, but, but everything is in here. Whether it's the Christian, well, Jesus talking about the kingdom of heaven is within, whether it's, you know, Gestalt therapy or whether it's Jungian psychology, it's going in and, and working from the inside out and, and, and looking at warts and all. And then, and it's a process. Mm 
It's not like I'll do this first and then, you know, and then, you know, the world is your oyster. Mm-hmm. The world can be your oyster because you, you have that connectedness. And, and, and the thing is now is that we are taught that we are separate, separate from God. God is up there and out there, separate from other human beings, separate from this is a purple state, this is a red state. You're gay, you're trans, I'm not, you're black. And so everything is all out there. And mm-hmm. this is the world that we've created. Mm-hmm. Michael, Sorry. Sorry, it's extremely externally distracting by consumerism, advertising, media, all this stuff that keeps us looking out. Yeah, well, all this titillation and 24-hour news cycles. And I'm sorry, Jenna. Oh, I was just going to ask you how your experience led you to that understanding. Was this just kind of an intuitive knowing that just evolved for you? Or, or was this a download that you got? No, no. That? I was already in therapy. Remember, I was already peeling that onion. I was getting out of a relationship. Um, so it, it was, it wasn't just like one thing. It was a process. It was a path. Yeah. And, um, but there were things I already knew, but by going in, I already knew, I, I, I started to get it. You already know this. Plato says all learning is remembering. Okay. So mostly I'm unlearning what I was taught because most of what I was taught was yeah. dysfunctional and wrong. I'm sorry. But the basics my parents gave me from the religion. So I'm learning as I go along. And so I'm saying, you know, people think I'm like that, but that's not who I am at all. And so I'm, I'm discovering. It's, it's the hero's journey. It's the shero's journey. It's why my church is packed on Easter and Christmas, even though we have atheists in the church and we have humanists in the church. And we have people to, uh, on Easter Sunday, sometimes I joke with them, I said, you, you know, like Christmas Eve, we had a service. I said, I'm so glad to see y'all because some of y'all I'm not going to see till Easter. But it's something about that story where, you know, Joseph Campbell talks, where the child is born and the child is, is gifted and talented and it's a threat to the old order, which is Herod. And, and they're trying to get the child, they're trying to get her to calm down. You know, that's not the way, that's not how you be a young lady. That's not how you're supposed to act. And so you, you're telling her all these rules and stuff. And then as the child matures, maybe uh, a divine experience happened. Maybe it's baptism, maybe it's whatever. And all of a sudden, they're starting to get in touch with who they are and who that they're connected to all that is. And then something happens a challenge, uh, uh, you know, that whole, the phoenix rising from the ashes, you know, we can use all the metaphors we want, where there's death and rebirth or what have you, and a new being is born. And so it's that story that you can be, that's why people get into the Christmas story. They may not believe it literally, they may not believe the Easter story, but every child is precious, whether you're in Kandahar, Ukraine, Harlem, Arizona, and that's that potential. And they all go through that. Joseph Campbell talks about it. The child is special. The child has to be hidden. The old order is threatened. Who do you think you are? What are you, what are you talking like that for? Who do you think you are? The child is threatening to, we got to do something about Michael. What is he talking about? And, and then on, on, on the path, uh, things happen. And the child starts to become who they are and knowing that they're connected to everything and how I can, it's, 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 it's the journey. 
and everyone, everyone's on this journey. And everybody goes through it. Yeah. In a different way, different story. Buddha went through it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Shelters, you know, the warrior class. And, you know, he's sexing and drugging. And, and then he said, but, uh, you know, this stuff will go away. And he's getting older. And his parents hit, you know, they hit him from all the death and all the stuff. And he sees it and he wants to change. And he walks this journey and his parents try to hide him. You can't be that way. You can't do it's 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 the universal journey. Yeah. So so Michael, when you move from the Baptist faith, I kind of want to go back to you know the fact that you're a minister and you're involved in a universalist unitarian unitarian love unitarian church. Yeah just you 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 church. <laughs> we'll just call it the you you for sure. First thing make the new looks <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Um, but, um, you know, you still, uh, you still are a reverend in a church in a, in a very, you know, much more, I'm assuming more flexible community than you were in before when you were growing up, right? In, in, in the yeah. sense that there'd be more diversity, more breadth of perspective and experience, perhaps. Um, I'm making an assumption, so correct me if I'm wrong. But I'm curious to know if you found in this community you're currently part of, the one that you're leading and participating in, if you're able to have conversations with people about ETs, UFOs, or so-called alternative topics within your church community, or is it purely yeah, about... but not all collectively speaking. There, when, when, when I first got in this denomination, it's a great question, Sinead. I, I've mentioned it to a good friend of mine at an anti-racism training. And uh, I remember we were driving up to Boston and she said, Michael, I believe that you believe that happened to you. And there's the possibility that that happened to you. She said, but if you want to have a career in this denomination, you must never tell anybody that story again. <laughs> and, uh, and then, uh, and I always played my cards close to the vest because I just, I'm kind of private and, you know, I don't need just to blurt stuff. And so then someone had seen me on Ancient Aliens. This was like in 2014 when I first started being on the show. And she came to the church and uh, she, she wanted to have me fired. She said, I turned on this, I was flipping channels and I saw our, our minister there talking about little green men was the way she said. And, um, and uh, she said, I'm just not comfortable. And she was a big donor. She is a big donor. She's still there. We have a tenuous kind of thing. And, um, and luckily the church stood up for me. They said, um, he doesn't preach this from the pulpit. Uh, he's not forcing anything on you or us. And maybe there's some truth to what he's saying. I've had people come to the church, not all the time. They may have seen TV and they, they come there in this part of the country and they come and they're surprised because it's not a UFO church. But, what I, but there are people in my church who do believe in UFOs, sometimes they go out here and CE5 stuff. And and we used to have a little side group, we called it PSI, and eight, nine people. And they would talk about, they would read tarot cards and they would talk about crystals. It disbanded after COVID because people weren't coming to church. So the short answer is yes. I've even, I will throw stuff out because it's, it's open now. They know what I believe. Mm -hmm. So I may mention something. Um, I may mention something about a past life or stuff like that, you know, but I don't, you know, 
hit them over the head with it because that's not why they hired me. And they know that I have, and they're more accepting people have bought the books and that kind of thing. What the, the thing is, um, your assumption is pretty correct. We're not racially diverse. Um, Unitarian Universalism for 200 plus years has been mostly a white, liberal, well-to-do, well-educated denomination. The diversity is mostly in the theological beliefs that come. Mm -hmm. Every Sunday, there's an atheist sitting next to a Wiccan, sitting next to a UU Christian, sitting next, that's, that's the beauty. But, um, but they were also highly intellectual. Um, um, Emerson was a UU minister. He left on theological grounds. Uh, Thoreau, um, it, it was, uh, the Unitarians were more brainy and the Universalists were more blue collar, um, more Christian oriented, if you will. Uh, Unitarians were, you know, it's all up here. So I tried to get a, when I first got there, you couldn't say the word God, they got upset. But I walked them through that, you know, um, so we both grew. And, and the two de denominations merged in 1961. It's still only a thousand churches in the United States, a couple in Europe, um, but they were, they flatlined because it's an aging congregation too. 65 is the median age of our congregation because um, most of these folks were hippies in the 60s and, and what have you, and they're still doing their social justice and what have you. I, I, I love it. But when mainline denominations got more liberal, like the Episcopalians, for instance, they have female ministers, you can be gay, you can, people were like, well, I don't have to leave my denomination becoming UU because my own tradition has gotten a little more liberal. So there's kind of just a quick background on, on, on that. On that. Mm -hmm. We do have our martyrs, people burned at the stake. Um, Michael Savitas was burned at the stake with his books for saying there was no Trinity back in the 1500, 1600. John Calvin did the honors, burned him at the stake with his books. And he also had the, the, uh, the Gahonas to say that there were, there was life on other planets. That was frowned upon, very much frowned upon. And they killed him. What was That's interesting? What they told him they were going to kill him. And he was one of these brothers who, if, if, you, if I could just see him and talk to him, he'd come around. And he went right back to Geneva. He escaped with his life and he went back to try to persuade John Calvin. And John Calvin had him burned at the stake. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been true over and over again. Uh, yeah. This is something I also want to acknowledge because we're talking about topics right now that are still not really seen as being mainstream. You know, a lot of people who are firmly entrenched in mainstream so-called normal living think that this is all nonsense. But there's so, so many of us all over. I'm in Canada. You two are American. I think the, the biggest community that we are aware of is North America, but the fact is that there is a community of experiencers in every single country around the world and people who have had, uh, you know, not just when I say experiencers, I mean specifically ET contact, but there are people yeah. who have had so many different kinds of unexplained experiences for hundreds of thousands of years that have been documented and there are documented right now. So it's fascinating to me that, you know, we are so attached to ideas of what is safe and comfortable and controllable and normal 
that no matter how developed our civilization may be, you know, here we are thousands of years after Jesus Christ came along and after many, many other wise men and women um, and wise beings who've shown up to give us messages to help us progress and help us learn and grow, right? We're still not really getting it that the so-called alternative information that's out there is something that we should pay attention to and listen to and, you know, still have an attitude of discernment about, but approach it with curiosity and with interest, because it, it's not something that's ever gone away. Like this kind of information has always been there. And the people who have taken the risk to push it forward are always the ones who get in trouble, who have been killed, who've been punished, who've been thrown in jail, you know, who are ridiculed, who face all that stigma. Um, but, you know, when you feel, as the three of us do, that it is a mission, that it is your know, purpose in life to talk about these things, to share these stories with other people so that we can spread the word that this is real, it's, it doesn't matter. The stigma doesn't matter. The ridicule doesn't matter. I mean, John and I have changed our entire lives to live within this reality. And you have as well, right? You're in a community now where you've made the choice to position yourself in a place where you can have these conversations, right? Maybe not as in-depth as you'd like to from the pulpit, but you're still having so much richness of conversation in terms of what people's belief systems are and what they feel reality is. And that's really incredible, you know, that you get to do that, that you get to share that with other people in the community as well and encourage yeah. them to think yeah. more, question it more, is. feel more, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, I just try to remember, I'll say this, you know, in, in some ways I believe we, we chose to be here before birth to continue. Um, and the universe in its infinite wisdom, what's the best way to grow? Um, because the, the wisdom that you're talking about that we experience, We've had this in other lifetimes, but we're back here. The best way is to remember, for me anyway, that everybody doesn't have it and they teach me patience. They teach me acceptance because the ego is very intelligent. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a person who says get rid of the ego. I think you have, you have a healthy ego, but that because it's easy to go into, I'm getting it and you're not, and I don't have the patience I need to have with you. And so what do you do? You put old souls with young souls. You put infant souls with mature souls. And that teaches us, I believe, to, um, to, um, to learn to love and to learn to forgive and to learn to accept people where they are. Yeah, and I just want to clarify, when you say infant souls, you're saying infant souls in an adult, fully grown adult body. Right? You know, yeah, I'm talking about, well, you find some of this in the teachings of Gurdjieff, but the Michael teachings, which I love, uh, it's a channel wisdom kind of thing, and there's no religion. At what, he, he breaks down, Michael breaks down the, the soul to infant, baby, young, mature, old souls, and then you have the transcendental soul that was Gandhi, or that was Jesus, or what have you. And so, and, and there are different characteristics where you can tell sometimes where people are on their soul journey. And you can do, you could be an infant soul for a thousand years. And then, and then you go, according to this teaching. But, and then, yeah, I, I highly commend it to you. It's fascinating. And it's, and, 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 and it's based on Gurdjieff's teachings. But, for instance, when we 
well, I don't want to get, go there. But, you know, there's some souls, they could be 78 years old in their chronological body, but their soul age may be in the baby or infant stage. Michael, you know, I, I love that you brought that up just as a way for us to really understand accepting each other, right? And finding that compassion and empathy for what we are all going through. And and I, I, I want to reflect back on what you were talking about with your congregation as well. You mentioned, you know, a lack of diversity in the Unitarian congregation. And yeah, racial, racial. Racial diversity. diversity. Yes. Racial. Thank you. Yeah, racial diversity. And, and clearly on our planet, we you know, are still working to find acceptance, right? And diversity, equity, inclusion, social justice, you know, are still you know, things we have big work around, you know, and even accepting these folks. And that that's, was, that's part of diversity. Yeah. And I want to ask you about how, how our journey, like how does our journey with that reflect, you know, the diversity in the universe and, and how do we need to, you know, work through that to even be able to accept the level of diversity that we know to be true in the universe? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a journey. And you got to forgive yourself. I was reading something the other day and they were talking about, you have to give, you have to forgive the world for being what it is and not what you thought it was. You have to forgive people the same way. You have to forgive your God for not being the God you thought it would be. I thought that was just so profound. But I think it's looking at our fears. There's no magic bullet. You got to look at the stuff that triggers you. Doesn't make you a bad person. You know, you may do something, say something racist or do something. That's how you grow. And that's not the worst thing in the world. The worst thing in the world is not to grow at all. But again, if I speak to you of earthly things and you're not getting it, how will you get it when I speak to you of heavenly things? And for me, doing my diversity work, my anti-racism work, it's almost the same thing. I'm, it's linked with these beings because they look different. They're intelligent. They're sentient beings. But some of them look different. Some of them look bizarre. The Dalai Lama has talked about uh, this in a joking way. N not the topic was joking, but he made some joke. If you shook one of them's hand, maybe they had a claw for a hand. But, but the, the point being is that this is part, the universe is teeming with life. Mm. Other dimensions, you got people who don't even need a craft to get around. They can just think it and be there. I mean, you want to talk about that? That's wow. I mean, you think the ships blow your way. What about people? I don't even need a ship. I'm just going to be there. I'll see you. We'll have a drink. Yeah. We'll just pop up. And so it's looking at our fears. And, 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 but you got you to gotta be, you got to feel safe to do that. You can't feel safe if you say, well, this is that. No, that's the sickest thing I ever heard. You got to create that space. But we create it by how we treat each other. I mean, that's what worked for me in the long run. I had to feel safe. I had to really realize that for me, the universe, you know, I had trauma. I don't have as much trauma as somebody else. It's not a competition. But I had to change my outlook, as today was saying, you know, because I'm going to create what I feel. I'm going to create what I believe. And if I believe life is a bitch and then you die, well, what do you, how do you think the world's going to treat me? And I'm putting it out there. Now, I want to yeah. be careful. I'm not going to say some people are giving themselves cancer, even though if we kind of traced it. We can, we can bring on our own illnesses, but I don't want to blame people who have serious illnesses. Oh, yeah, you did that to yourself. No, it's a little more complicated. But basically, 
the way you look at life, like of course a projection, uh, uh, perce uh, perce perception makes projection. What I project out there, because I don't want to look at me, that's what the, that's what I'm going to mirror, and that's not personal. That's just the law. That's just the law of this universe, this galaxy. Uh, all Jesus talked about: you reap what you sow. You know, it's done unto you as you believe. Buddhism philosophy talks about that. That this is a mirror, and it just reflects back to me who and what I am and what I believe. That's amazing. I mean, that's, more, that's more of a mature way. Now I want to, yes. you know, than the way I was taught. I was taught yes. fear, God was going to punish me, that, the, you know, anything I got was because they beat up his son and spit on him and killed him. And, you know, you, you know how can I enjoy life when that's hanging over me? I had to, to tell myself, the good that comes my way, I deserve because I'm a good person and I put good out there and that's going to come back to me. You know, you do good because good is good to do, not because you're afraid of heaven or hell. Yeah, I'm thinking, Michael, about how uh, you, in one of our early friend conversations, you said to me that you felt like your upbringing, um, you know, in terms of the religious context and the the messages that came with that, which you were just referencing, that it made it gave you a very earthbound existence. That's the way you phrased it, that you felt very earthbound, right? Now you have a cosmic perspective. You feel like your experience, your perspective yeah. on, on everything has zoomed out. And so I have a question for you about this that's relating to you being yeah. a minister and a reverend, but also an experiencer, right? Um, so uh, we were just kind of touching on race for a minute and the fact that uh, Jenna was was talking about, you know, race or, or the optics of the bodies we're walking around in is not only something we struggle with here on Earth, it's also something, something we struggle with when we have these encounters with other beings. You have met four kinds of beings. They do not look human except one, which is yeah. super, Five, Nordic, yeah. or super, super extra buff and super, super tall, right? So they look sort of relatively normal, but you have that experience of seeing these, uh, sorry, not normal, typically human, I should say, no such thing as normal. But when you've seen these beings show up, that's really startling, optically startling for you, right? Really yeah, yeah, that, 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 that physically, physically yeah. there. And then but when they started like, paralyzing me, maybe even a little more. I yeah, and then, you know, you have a bit of PTSD about it, and you've talked about yeah. that. You, you know, you need to sort of feel comfortable where you can go to sleep at night and stuff. But yeah. coming back to mindset and coming back to, you know, having a cosmic perspective and a universal perspective, and having faith and being a minister, um, faith of whatever you want to call it, my right, belief system, and being a minister, um, there is a rising interest from what I can gather in the um, people in our paranormal ufology community who may have had a religious background. This is what I'm finding in the research I've done over the last two, three years. People who largely seem to have had some kind of religious background, you know, raised Lutheran or Catholic or whatever it is. Then they have an experience and then they're brought into this community, but they're not able to completely let go of the belief system. They had the sort of tenets, you know, the foundation of the belief system they had before and they don't want to. And, you know, why should they really like these are things that do give us security and do help us to have tools to make our way through life. Right. Um, but they have to alter that. And yet there's this sort of middle area that a lot of people are landing in and that the philosophy there seems to be about this cosmic Jesus right? The cosmic Jesus that is 
this one of the ascended masters, um, as they're called, that have come to us for eons, you know, all over the world, Kuan Yin, Buddha, it doesn't matter who they are. I think Bob Marley was a Bodhisattva and Gandhi was a Bodhisattva, right? So people in our lifetime. But that there have been these really ascended beings who have come and had a massive uh, permanent effect on how we see our humanity and how we see how we treat each other, how we treat the world, how we treat nature. So cosmic Jesus seems to be kind of weaving into um, what is familiar to us, you know, the habits, kind of ways of being that we have learned in our earthbound existence, which includes religion and faith systems. But then also zooming out to a cosmic perspective, people are bringing what used to be familiar to them into that cosmic perspective. And Jesus is one of the beings that is kind of arising in that conversation, right? There's this, there's this idea of cosmic Jesus. So I wanted to ask you if you know what cosmic Jesus is, if you feel like you have a grip on what that philosophy is, and if you could explain it to our listeners, because I find it fascinating. Like it's not it's not very Catholic, you know, it's very based on yeah, more esoteric. I, I, I don't really know. I mean, I, who was the guy? My, he got kicked out of the Catholic Church. But anyway, well, that could have been so many people. I mean, there's a wonderful book called Coming of the Cosmic Christ. I just think that people, and, and, and this is all I can offer to that. It's whatever fits you. I mean, there's a Buddha consciousness. There's Christ consciousness. What, you know, we're here in the West. And if Jesus, you know, because it, it's not so much the name you give it. Right. It's how you live it. Yes. You know yes. What I mean? Yes. That means, I think here in the West for people, um, you know, maybe, you know, I'm a man of the West, but but I was trained in Western seminaries or whatever. I, I, I Christ never got to me. Um, that word, it's like, you know, he wasn't the son of Mary and Joseph Christ. It, that meant, you know, the, the Messiah the Messiah, but it's a consciousness. One could argue that Jesus was the man and he took on the Christ consciousness. Mm -hmm. One could argue that. Mm -hmm. um, there's Buddha consciousness, you know, so maybe if you're in the other part of the globe, mm -hmm. you know, maybe if I was born over there, I'd be talking about Buddha consciousness and vice versa. So, so the name, you know, maybe it's for people who can't let go of that. Like you said, nor should they, but they got that connection with Jesus and they need to have that. They need to have that, that nomenclature, that vocabulary. Doesn't matter what you name it. It's, it's, it's a universal shift in perception that hopefully, well, it, it does, but that, that we can open our hearts and, um, and to learn to love. So for someone else, Christ consciousness, Jesus may mean this. Someone may say Buddha, it's all the same. It's just, you know, human beings have to put labels and you have to, yeah. and it's okay. I'm not saying that's wrong. Well, Michael, but, you talked about the hero's journey, right? Which is, which is that journey to embodying that consciousness of love and that, yeah. that wholeness yeah. in ourselves. And if Buddha works for you, uh, you know, it works. Uh, I, I, I like the, 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 the nomenclature of, of the vocabulary of um, the Eastern uh, uh, of Buddha, particular Buddhism, because they talk about compassion. It, the West has a lot of baggage around love, and we only have one word for love. Uh, Greek have agape, eros, you know, philio. Uh, the Germans have a couple words for love. We don't in the West. It's just love, and that can mean so many, many different things. And and so someone could get beat up, domestic violence. Why do you stay with her? 
why you stay with him? Because I love him. Oh, that's mm -hmm. an interesting definition of love. Not making fun of that, but that's, we, we just put so much, you know, you should forgive them already. You should love them. I don't even know them. I'm not even sure if I want to love them. Compassion mm -hmm. encompasses all of that. I can mm -hmm. have compassion towards you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's what it really is, is, you know, uh, love is at its heart and just non-judgmental, you know, like caring about someone without judging them for whatever it is that their experience is. You certainly, can do that. Yes, certainly non-judgment is in it. I like, and this is a Western guy, I like M. Scott Peck's definition of love, who wrote, who wrote Let's Travel. And, and again, it's not the perfect definition, but he, he defined love as when I extend myself, for the growth of myself and another human being. Now we would say sentient being because it's an animal kingdom. But I like that. When I extend myself for the growth of myself, and, and I could look, you know, I could drive through, you know, McDonald's and pay for their meal. You know what I mean? I'm extending yes. myself. Yes. And it could be a deeper. Uh, and, and so, but that's what we're here to do. And that's where we're going to go back to when we leave here. And um, so I don't, if it, Jesus, Christ consciousness, Buddha consciousness, all good. I hear what you're saying. Like the names and the labels are really kind of irrelevant. It's, it's about the concept, the meaning of what it is that you're saying. And the names and the labels are just ways that we create difference and separation between each well, other. I mean, like but if I'm, you know, maybe I'm not comfortable with Buddhism. Maybe I don't want to let go of the Jesus. So, you know, it's okay. The, the, the bottom line is this. And, and, uh, and all this is important, what we're talking about. But I know what you believe by how you treat me. I know what you believe by how you live. Yes. So absolutely. you talk about Buddha consciousness, Christ consciousness. I, I will watch you like you will watch me. And that will tell me what you believe. Mm, I love that. Right? Because Jesus said, by their fruits, he was the only one, you shall know them. Yes. That's yes. how I know Actions. what you believe, by how you Actions. live. Yeah, actions always speak louder than words, always, always, always. And, you know, I really have learned, you were talking earlier about being in your body. I've learned my body never lies. You know, my body just, it's not a thought that my body is giving me. It's an experience. And if I just learn to listen to that, then I can pay attention to it, not judge it. Take it, trust it, take it in, yeah. And so much of what we experience, we have to be able to do that, not not search for, oh, I can't possibly take this experience in unless I have the right word for it and the right category to put it into and the right way to describe it. Sometimes it's just an ineffable experience that you can still absorb on a vibrational oh. or energetic level that is, has yeah. no words included and, in it. And yeah. sometimes, you know, it's hard. It's Sometimes it's more difficult. I know we're winding down now. Um, you know, sometimes it's difficult it's more difficult to unlearn something than it is to learn something new because we've been taught not to trust our own bodies, always to trust outside, always trust the specialist, always trust the doctor, always, and, and, and not saying you can't, but you also can trust yourself. Mm. And that's, that's new for a lot of people. And so you have to trust it. And I, I remember when I started doing readings and uh, I, I had to learn to trust, you know, I may be wrong, you know, uh, on some predictions or whatever, but I had to learn to trust what just came through. And that- just put it out there. And Instead that- of thinking, oh, am I saying it right? Am I doing it right? 
then you can't read. Yeah. 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 And that requires compassion for ourselves, right? As we're going through that process. Yeah. Yeah. Michael, I love what you said about, you know, love and compassion being extending yourself for the growth of others. Yeah, that's not bad. yeah that was so beautiful. It's so beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for extending yourself for the yeah. growth of our community. We're so appreciative of you thank and yeah, so much, so much wisdom and insight. We so appreciate it. Maybe you can share a little bit about where people can find you, how they can get in touch with you, maybe share a book recommendation if there's a favorite one that you think they should yeah. up from you. There is a book. Okay. Let me answer that. Okay. Because that was there are four things. books. You gotta um, name all four of them. Well, well, no, I'm gonna tell them to go to Amazon. You can go to Amazon. I have five books. You can you can find them all. Uh, two on religion and UFOs, one is on for experiencers, one is on prayer and healing, um, and the other one is called God Consciousness. It's a 30-day meditation manual, all on Amazon. Just type in Reverend Michael J. Carter or J.S. Carter. I believe, Michael, uh, your very first book, 2013, I believe well, that it's, is... It's called Alien Scriptures. Yes, and that's an amazing book. That is, if anybody mm -hmm. wants to know more about what's in the scriptures, if you want to yeah, really... It's about, yeah, it's about the Bible book. And so, so that was the first thing. The second thing is uh, the new season of Ancient Aliens just aired two weeks ago. I did something on it last year. They're just airing it now. I, I think I'm in like the first 15, 20 minutes of it. It's on the Ark of the Covenant. So it's the first show of this new season. Oh, and it's on the Ark of the oh, Covenant. It's a great show, oh. even without me. The, the, there's a book. For those people who are Jesus-minded, this is called The Mission. It's a novel. It's by Patrick Tilly. I don't know how I missed this one. Um, uh, it was written in Patrick Tilly, T-I-L-L-E-Y. Actually, it's not called The Mission. It's called Mission. It's a novel. It was written in 1981, before its time. It's about Jesus coming back now. Well, now it's 1981. And... Um, He's telling, he's talking about him coming on a ship. This is how I got here. This was my mission. And he befriends these two people in New York City. Yeah. Anyway, there it is. Mission, not, I, I highly uh, commend that to you. I leave you with this. This is one of my favorite um, quotes from Kierkegaard. Life is lived forward, but it's only understood backwards. Mm. So be gentle with yourself and just take the time to look back. It's lived forward, but it's only understood backwards. Mm, so beautiful. So thank you for having me. Thank you, Michael. And everyone find Michael's books on Amazon, Michael J.S. Carter. And watch him on Ancient Aliens, the new new season coming out. And like, subscribe, review, rate, all the things. Drop some comments. Tell us, tell us what you think about the things we talked about. We want to hear your opinion. We'll probably have some more chats with Michael in the future. So, so we'll bring back. Let's try and get together for happy hour. Yes, we'll do our thing too. In the next couple of weeks. Yes, awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks everyone for listening and watching. Have a great day. We'll see you next time. Bye, Thank Michael. you so much, Michael, for being with us. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks. Don't forget to check out Michael's website as well, 
Michael Carter. I yeah, think. Michael J. Michael J. S. Carter dot com. Michael J. S. Carter dot com. Just wanted to make sure that got slid in there as well. Thank you so Thank much, you. everyone. Michael, we will definitely have you back. You're we're just oh, we're anytime. Fans. We love you. Thanks, Michael. Be safe. <laughs>